You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, which are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume 88 by Rudolf Steiner, translated by James Hines, entitled Concerning the Astral World and Devakan. This is Part 3, which is four private lessons for Marie von Sievers, Olga von Sievers, and Maria von Strauch-Spettini, given at Berlin Schlachtensee, summer 1903, and the notes are from Marie von Sievers, who became Marie Steiner. This is the first lesson. Notes, it is in this book, Lecture 11.1, entitled The Sun Logos and the Ten Avatars, again given at Berlin Schlachtensee, summer 1903. The external forms of the world of appearances have an inner as well as an external significance. They are symbols of an earlier phase of evolution. Quote, everything transitory is merely a parable, close quote, to the one who looks deeper. For the, in quotes, psychographs, who see with their astral ability into the inner becoming of the world, the things of the world of appearances unveil their inner history. The I, E-Y-E, of the Dangma, which is purified soul, sees the transformations of the Logos in a series of developments. The holy books of the Vedas and the Rosenkreuz Chronicle speak of ten such avatars or metamorphisms of our sun logos. For the organ of clairvoyance, the lancelet fish is a memorial token of an incarnation of the sun logos and a symbol for the ancestors of the vertebrates. You can picture this if you think of the symbols sickle, scorpion, fish, and so forth in the zodiac calendar. These are the symbols for the processes in the world of the stars. The vertebrates, from which the fish, amphibians, birds, and mammals have developed in sequence, were present in their ancestors only in their first stages. Just as in the lancelet fish today, the organ of feeling is indicated by one single strand of nerve, from which in later evolution the brain of aquatic animals, fish, was organized. The Rosicrucian Chronicle expresses the first metamorphosis of the Sun Logos in the following words, The one mother substance of the light of the Spirit dawned within itself, and the dawning density of matter rested spiritual separateness for itself, feeling itself into the dawning of matter. The Spirit of the world lived in this feeling as the soul whose body was the waters. Close quote. First avatar, Matsya, equals fish. The Logos of the Sun was incarnated as a model and leader within a new phase of evolution. Sun is S-U-N. Originally the spirit dawned within it itself. Spirit and matter were not yet differentiated from one another. Thus today the mollusks display no separate life of nerves. 
sensation permeates the entire unified matter of which they consist. At the first avatar, the spirit was separated from the egg-shaped astral fine matter husk and formed a shining point in it, permeating the astral with the spirit's rays. All evolution unfolds in a polarity. And the spirit light begat in itself a yet higher spirituality. From within itself it produced a yet finer mental matter. Later the brain was built into it. The feeling astral matter was suppressed, was enveloped, protecting itself at its most external pole with a yet firmer matter from which later the physical was developed. That would be the second avatar, the second metamorphosis of God, which was expressed by the Rosicrucian Chronicle in the following words, And the body of water was wrested away from feeling, attracting solidity to itself, which was slumbering in the waters. Material solidity became the garment of feeling. The garment, quaking, was fitted to the life of the world soul. In the quaking garment, the soul created harmony. Close quote. Second avatar, Kurma, spelled K-U-R-M-A, the turtle, amphibian, is a symbolic memento of the second avatar. For this reason, Paracelsus saw amphibians as animals that stood closer to God in their nature. The second one-third of the second round. Third Avatar In the third metamorphosis of the Logos, spirituality withdrew even deeper into itself. Astral matter was spread out and became stronger and firmer. Evolving human beings lived entirely within their powerful force and strength while the spirit was still in a slumbering condition. Astral matter had first to make itself capable of resistance in complete selfhood in order later to be overcome. The symbolic memento for the third avatar at the beginning of the third round is called Varaha, the boar, fourth avatar. The Rosicrucian Chronicle says, quote, In the fourth avatar first one-third of the fourth round, this animal-human being became ruler. A giant in his strength from matter, he drew the spirituality entirely into himself, protecting it with his powerful strength. A small portion remained behind as a warner and united with the all-soul of the soul, symbolized as a dwarf of Nara-Sima, the human lion power. And the strong animality became self, self-power streaming through the loins of matter, staving off the power of the enemy from the delicate spirit self, which slumbered as warner in the strong animality of the lion human being. Yet the dwarf of the spirit, Vamana, streams his enlivening power through the limbs of the giant, guides him, and makes himself into the ruler of the lion human being, just as the giant Goliath was mastered by the dwarf David. And now the warner is drawn completely into matter, 
and loses its last connection to the all-soul. Human beings are now left entirely to themselves and have reached the most extreme degree of isolation. At first, self-seeking and willful, they fight against the other isolated spirits in matter. They are without limits because the warner is missing, and so too is leadership. Fifth Avatar This is the physical human being, and the fifth avatar reads, quote, And the warner became the ruler of the strong animality of the human lion. The dwarf overcame the giant's powerful strength, and he awoke spiritual life in the weighty members of animality. Close quote. Sixth Avatar Now the sixth avatar enters as the first lawgiver, and the law strictly punished the misuse of the warrior's power. It is the epoch of the Parashu Rama, father of Rama. He leads the warriors and subjects them to the hard but good law. Seventh Avatar Now Rama, the son of Parashurama, appears as the seventh metamorphosis of the Logos, and in love he softened the hardness and strictness of the law, and the warriors loved the law in willing obedience. It was the first still legendary ideal king of the people of ancient India and all other peoples. Strict and earnest was the coercion of the spirit being. Then it gave birth within itself to gentleness. The hard commandments of the law were dissolved in love. Eighth Avatar Now Krishna appeared as the eighth incarnation of God. He taught the people to feel love as blessedness and lived in blessedness as an example before them. Quote, And the seed of love blossomed and brought forth the fruit of love, which is called blessedness. And the blessedness was itself the human being. Close quote. Until now the life of the human being was an ascent to the Buddha, level of blessedness. But now the path down the ark must be traversed in order to learn wisdom and to free manas once again through work and karma and to unite it with buddhi. And so Buddha appeared as leader and archetype of human evolution, far advanced in order to show them the way. Ninth Avatar Thus the ninth avatar is Buddha. Quote, and blessedness sent their son to earth, he who is called incarnated wisdom, and it lived in the mortal body of the king's son, Buddha. Close quote. Tenth Avatar This is he who will come, Kalki, the people of ancient India said. The Rosicrucian Chronicle says, quote, However, when the time is fulfilled, the eye is opened, E-Y-E, and human destiny will become luminous within. The luminous figure will be chosen as leader. Then, for you, destiny itself will be law and loving willing, whose eyes opened will see roses growing on the cross. For the Rosicrucians, Christ was the one who was to come, Christ as the one who is always evolving further, and was crystallized into a luminous example of a humanity that is always evolving, who, as Jesus, took on human karma, and who remains connected with the karma of Christianity through constantly new incarnations. 
He leads and guides humanity until the end of this race. All the legends concerning the lives of the Nirmanakayas, the teachers of humanity, are the same. They are constructed according to a certain pattern, life, temptation, sacrificial death, and transfiguration. All are chosen to descend into matter for the same common purpose. Zarathustra, Hermes, the Druidic teachers, Buddha, Christ. Up to the point of the transfiguration, the lives of Buddha and Christ were the same. From then on a change entered, uh, and Christ descends the most deeply into matter because a special task has been given to him. When the individuality of Mahaguru incarnated as Buddha, his teachings led to misunderstandings and divisions. He had given too much. Once again the Buddha had to incarnate as Shankaracharya, and from him the Tibetan teachers, the Mahatmas, were trained. These are the teachers who publicized part of the teachings of theosophy in order to raise the sunken level of humanity by giving back again the esoteric content that lies equally at the foundation of all religions. When the individuality of Mahaguru incarnated in Christ, he did not choose, as was usual, virginal embryonic matter that was pure and free of karma, but rather he descended more deeply in order to bring even the densest matter to transfiguration in full brotherhood with humanity as flesh from their flesh. Thus the mystery of Christ came into existence. The Mahaguru took possession of a body of a lower Mahatma, a chela of the third initiation, the thirty-year-old Jesus, whose body had already gone through life and formed karma. The great teacher of humanity from then on appeared as Christ. The life of Jesus was the same as that of Buddha's until the transfiguration. Then the tragedy of Christ began. His mission was to experience death on the cross and resurrection, which otherwise was celebrated only symbolically in secret. Now his experience was public and intended to serve as an example with his own body. He did this in order to raise up the great mass of humanity through this sacrifice and to lead them to salvation from the lowly world of matter. Thus on the one hand, Buddha is on a higher step. He remained untouched by lowly matter and only taught, on the other hand, Christ stands higher because he made the greater sacrifice and through his descent into the densest physical matter he brought it back again spiritualized. Christ did not leave behind any writings as did other great teachers of humanity. His task was to live the teachings that were already present, to live an ideal life for humanity and in this way to liberate the mystery teachings in order to bring the largest possible number of human beings to a faster spiritual evolution. So he made the greatest possible sacrifice for humanity. His light-filled spirit descended into the darkest matter. Notebook entries for the first lesson, summer 1903. Number one, the one mother substance of the light of the spirit dawned within itself, and the dawning density of matter rested spiritual separateness for itself, feeling itself into the dawning of matter. The spirit of the world 
lived in this feeling as the soul, whose body was the waters, equals matsya, fish. Number two, and the body of water was wrested away from feeling, attracting solidity to itself, which was slumbering in the waters. Material solidity became the garment of feeling. The garment, quaking, was fitted to the life of the world soul. In the quaking garment, the soul created harmony, equals kurma, turtle. Number three, the garment should be his strength against the storms of matter. It should be a strong sheath for his spiritual lord. And for this reason, the sheath should live in selfhood. Thus the world soul was dressed in the garment of strong animality, equals varatha, varaha, aber. Number four. And the strong animality became self, self-power streaming through the loins of matter, staving off the power of the enemy from the delicate spirit self, which slumbered as the warner in the strong animality of the lion human being, equals nara simha, human lion. Number five, and the warner became the ruler of the strong animality of the human lion. The dwarf overcame the giant's powerful strength and he awoke spiritual life in the weighty members of animality, equals Vahama, Vamana, dwarf. Number six. From now on the loins are not allowed to spread themselves without spiritual life's directing power. For such spirit alienating, spreading, would be evil. The life of the spirit entered into the center of the loins endowed warrior, and the good law will punish powers foreign to the spirit, Parashurama. Number seven, strict and earnest was the coercion of the spirit being. Then it gave birth within itself to gentleness. The hard commandments of the law were dissolved in love, equals Rama, the ideal king. Number eight, and the seed of love blossomed and brought forth the fruit of love, which is called blessedness and the blessedness was itself the human being, equals Krishna. Number nine, and blessedness sent their son to earth, he who is called incarnated wisdom, and it lived in the mortal body of the king's son, equals Buddha. Number ten, however, when the time is fulfilled, the eyes opened and human destiny will become luminous within. The luminous figure will be chosen as leader. Then... For you, destiny itself will be law and loving willing, Kalki. That's the end of lecture 11.1.